podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, yes, people. What is good? Welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order pod. Um, it's a familiar trio because I think we've done quite a couple of pods, but we've not done one in a while. I'm on hosting duty this week. Captain Tobes here, and I'm joined by the ever so regular Scott Hall, aka Yao. How you doing, bro? Hey, obviously I haven't got a full-on haircut this week, but still fine. Black and blue. <laughs> <laughs> all your eye tops, <laughs> you know what it is over here, player. Hey, hey, hear what I'm saying? Spurs tried to ruin my week, yeah, but God likes fine people, so I've had a fantastic week. In it, enjoy yourself. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Very, very happy for you. Um, and uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tops, Booker T, what are you saying, man? Yeah, I'm alright, man. I'm alright. It's been. I sound happier, bro. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while since it's, it's been a while since since I've been on. And um, yeah, the everybody, everybody knows my uh, my my current pitfalls with um the team and whatnot. But yeah, I'm happy to be on, man. Just a nice uh, talk Listen, about uh, Spurs at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we've been. To be fair, I've been I've been meaning to get you on a pod, man. Well, me, yeah, you. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. It feels like it feels like over the last couple of weeks, I would say probably since our performances tailed off a little bit, but I would say towards from mid December onwards, you've been tussling, you've been tussling a lot with the group. One day is yeah. Dave, the next day is, is Yao, the next day is sometimes it's me. Yeah. It's so easy to rattle you. I feel yeah. like you're, you're in this delicate place right now where it's like you're not really happy with the team. And, I, and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. We're gonna unpick that. We're gonna unpick that. But anyway, for those who are watching, for those who are listening, make sure you're subscribed to the pod, um, and that is the main pod and this pod. So for this pod, New Spurs order one word. Leave us a five star review on Spotify and on Apple, which is also a part of Touchline Touchline Fracker. Look out for that pod again on Spotify. The main pod comes out on Sundays, but social media. We got Twitter. We got TikTok. We got Instagram as well, so just follow us across all platforms. So, yeah, guys, let's 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 get straight into it, man. Obviously, <clears throat> fourth loss of the season at home. It's not nice. It's it's not nice at all. To put it into context, I think we've lost six times this season, right? Six times this season we've lost four home defeats. The latest home defeat at the hands of Wolves. Um, before we actually get into the the thick of things. 
Was anyone surprised with, with, with that result, outcome? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I, for one, looking at our general play, looking at the numbers, looking at the form of specific players in the team, I felt like this was always around the corner. I, I felt like for a while this is around the corner. And um, unfortunately, it manifested in itself in playing a very um, restitute Wolves team who um, clearly came with a very clear game plan and very successfully, in my opinion, um, were able to get the result using this game plan. So honestly, I was nervous about the game and I thought in many respects that we would muddle through. I really did, like we have done in the last, in my opinion, six weeks. Um, but lo and behold, some of the problems that we've had throughout this sort of second half of the season um, kind of uh, reared their ugly heads. And unfortunately, um, we, we've come away with another loss at home. It's, it's, it's tough to take, man. It's tough to take. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you the same question. I'm just going to sort of get straight into the game, man, because I feel like it's, up until recently, we were known for being very fast starters, coming out the blocks, um, going one nil up, really, really sticking it onto the opposition. But I don't know, man. I feel like the last couple of games, we've started off outside of, I would say, maybe um, the Everton game when we scored in the first four minutes. I'd say like our... The one or two games before that, and and a, um, a game or two after that, I feel like we started quite slow, man. Um, do you feel like we saw we saw a recurring theme against um, against Wolves in the first half? Yeah, we did start off a bit slow against Wolves, um, but to be honest with you, these kind of performances are bound to happen around this time of the season, um, and I think a lot of the fans have been, you know, a bit a bit overboard with their judgment of it. I mean, there's there's a lot of con- take into con uh, into actual context in this regard to uh, not only our team but a lot of teams quite a few teams to be fair but especially our team now coming into the Wolves game if I'm correct and I could be wrong the Wolves game is the first game in the first week of November in which if I'm correct we had pretty much our entire squad like I couldn't think of an injury or anyone that had a suspension from the starting 11 or what we would perceive to be the actual starting 11, which meant Mickey, Romero both played together. Um, Destiny, no, sorry, Destiny and Poro didn't play in the game, did they? No, they didn't, they didn't so they were injured. Oh, sorry, I meant the week prior. In the, in the lead up to that game, yeah. We had, okay, so we had our back four, as we've known it to be. Uh, we had uh, Vicario, Basuma was back from international duties. Son was back from international duties. Saul was back from international duties. And this was the first time leading into this game that we have potentially our starting 11. Yeah. All right. Fine. In the in the week that was going, we ended up with Destiny and Parole being uh, taken out due to injuries or knocks or whatever it is. And obviously we suffered from that. As you could see in the first half, we had um, Davis and Emerson, not uh, the quintessential fullbacks that Apostle uh, mm-hmm. likes, and therefore we our attack definitely suffered. But November to February is a very long time. We're talking four months here, yeah. To for a team to have like navigated injuries, big injuries to most of their players, suspensions, suspensions mainly with Basuma, um, and even international duties midway through the season. So, as much as I was surprised by the defeat, 
and probably the manner of the defeat, it's probably the one of the very few games this season where I've been like, I expected better and we didn't deliver. Mm. Every other game, I could throw some sort of caveat as to why things went the way it did. But this was the one and only game where I was like, no, these players need to, somebody needs to slap them because that was not a game that they shouldn't have controlled. And I know that we've lost four games at home, but three of those games, <laughs> you just have to shrug your shoulders to. So yeah, this, this, is the one, this is the one where you, you literally can say, all right, yeah, no, this team, you're messed up. You're messed up big time. You know, whereas the other three, you, you could probably argue many things. You know, Aston Villa, three goals offside. West Ham didn't kill them when we could have. Chelsea, absolute madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely caveats. There's definitely caveats. But we're, we're, we're going to talk not just about the Wolves game, but we're going to talk about our form. I would say since, as I said, since that middle of December period, because it has sort of tailed off, not in terms of goals, but just more in terms of the control that we've seen and the the actual, the outright domination that we we were having in, in, in matches. We've not really seen it to that to the to the extent that we saw um earlier on in the season. And even when we had injuries, because even when we had injuries, like there were teams where I could actually say, you know what, Spurs have put their foot on this team's neck. Like Aston Villa, they should not have beaten us that game. I'm I will keep saying it. They should not have beaten Spurs that game. And that was us missing so many players. So many mm-hmm. players. Right? But we have to look at Wolves in isolation first before we look at the bigger picture. And in yeah. isolation for me, that was a really, really bad performance. I, I mean, in the first half, first half was probably a bit, a bit of a blueprint to what was going to happen for us in the, in the latter stages of the second half, which is we we weren't really competitive in terms of um, like our ability to actually like play through the midfield. I felt like Wolves set up very, very well off the ball. Um, I saw that the wingers were tucking, give them a bit a bit more of a like a, a presence in the middle of the park. And mm-hmm. I felt like Jao Gomez and Lamina, they did a really good job on James Madison. So they I think they made it difficult for Tottenham to get James Madison into the game for pretty much mm-hmm. the entire first half. <clears throat> um I felt that whilst Saar wasn't that bad, I felt like he was quite passive in possession. I felt the same for Basuma. I felt that despite us having the majority of possession, we weren't doing much with it. The ball would get shuttled out wide and we'd have Sun up against Semedo. But if he goes past Semedo, he then has to get past Kilman or whoever it is that was playing that centre-back. It felt like, for me, we did not do anywhere near enough to disrupt Wolves' shape. And credit to Gary O'Neill. He came and he did a job. But if I'm looking at the other side, I'm like, this is a run-of-the-mill deep block. Like, this is not like an extraordinary deep block with so many different intricacies. This is literally a meat and drink deep block. You've seen it plenty of times in the Premier League, and we didn't do enough to disrupt that deep block. Whether it was whether it was slowness in how we moved the ball, whether it was not trying to stretch Wolves' defensive shape and actually try and create some space for the likes of Richarlison, create some space for maybe Madison to try and get into the pockets. But we didn't do anywhere near enough. And then defensively, we would, it was way too easy for us to get counted on. Like, it genuinely, it was way too easy for us to get counted on. That wasn't... I know, Tops, you want to come into this, so I'm going to pull you in on this as well. And Because I feel like the way we play, 
it lends a hand to counter-attacking for the for the opposition. Like, we're going to smother you, but the, the, the couple of times you do get past our press, you're in at our goal. I've accepted that. But I felt like for a team who are as dangerous as Wolves are on the counter, we gave them too much, too much space to do what they're good at. And that really, really irked me. It, it, it really did. So, Tops, I want to bring you in on, on, on the, on the, towards the end of the first half, even some of the second half as well, because I know obviously we conceded, even, yeah, talk me through the goal we conceded, because even that is, that one pissed me off as well, man. What were your thoughts um, on conceded? So, uh, the first goal we conceded from Jao Gomez, I don't know, um, I feel like, and maybe some level of conversation needs to be had, or some dialogue needs to be had with Mila. Um, Jelinak, who is the guy that's in charge of our defensive set pieces. One thing that I've noticed in our set piece defense defensively is that one, we've not actually been very good um, in the last sort of four or five weeks, I would say. Uh, we do seem fairly susceptible and teams are really getting in. Not only are they getting in on the fact that Vicario was once um, a, someone that they were really kind of pointing at, but generally, if you actually look at our set pieces over the last few weeks, we actually tend to get nine, ten men back into the box. What is so remarkable about this goal is that we let the basically the smallest guy in the pitch with about nine men in the box have a completely free header in that box. Like <sighs> sometimes you can speak about systems, you can speak, you can you can speak about personnel. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're gonna have all of those men in in the box to be able to do the job that's required of them defensively, and it ends up in a system whereby no one picks up the person who's actually the smallest in the box. And he has a completely free header. You kind of have to ask questions as to how we're setting up completely. Um, that was such a preventable, stupid goal. And to be honest with you, that first half, it was, there was a myriad of things that really worried me in that first half. Uh, so I think we ended up with 65% possession, yet we didn't have any shots on target. Wolves, um, who were very happy to sit in a deep block, almost like in a 3-4-3, completely made Sun isolated out there, completely gave no space or time to Basuma, Saar, and Madison in that middle with Lamina and Gomez chomping at absolutely everything. And they were able to, to get off six shots in which four of them were on target. Yeah. This it really was quite, it really was quite a frustrating first half. And to be honest with you, I actually don't think going into that game, oh, sorry, going into half time, it was less than they deserved. Um, they had got at us at numerous occasions, especially in transition. Um, but honestly, that like that was just a goal that we've kind of conceded this season. Like we've been poor at set pieces, and this is a goal that we've kind of conceded. It's just yeah. frustrating. Yeah, the set, the, the 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 defensive set piece, the, the the defensive set piece has been an issue. To be honest, even last season under Conte, it's been a real issue for Spurs. I feel like we've improved on our ability to take advantage of offensive set pieces. We scored a couple of goals from offensive set pieces this season and we did the same last year. But for whatever reason, we can't seem to find the right balance in terms of being able to restrict the number of goals that teams can score against us from set pieces. Um, we conceded from a set piece against Brighton, I think, didn't we? Did we not? I, I can't even remember. Um, uh, yes, we did, yeah. Away from home. Um, I think we conceded from a set piece, uh, obviously most recently against Everton. If it's not people crowding Vicario, then it's man literally leaving midgets in football terms. <laughs> Free with an unmarked header. But yeah, I want to come to you for the second half, man, because um, 
it seems that we did pick up our performance a little bit in the second half, but still all too familiar defensive issues. Um, what was your assessment of that second half? Um, the Kulisewski goal, and then of course the subsequent um, the subsequent uh, goal that put Wolves into the lead. You're on mute. You're on mute. Pure utter madness. The um, Kulisewski goal was um, was good quality goal, by the way. Got off to a good start in, in that second half. Kind of obviously asserted our dominance uh, possession wise, but you know, just like Top said, we didn't really do much with it. And the problem is, maybe outside of Son, um, and in recent weeks, probably outside of like Richardson, uh, Kulu is quite. He's either shot shy or he's like power shy. You know, it's or it's both. Um, and to be fair with you, his goal went in more because he kind of shot how he's been shooting all season. You know, he didn't really put any power into it. <laughs> keeper wasn't expecting it and it went in the back of the net um whereas the goal we conceded i i'm it's harsh to put sole blame on one person but i'm going to do it and it's pursuma i just expect better yeah not only does he lose the ball and that kicks off the the counter yeah getting back into because it's it's basically center of the the 18 yard box you know where, where the shot comes in from if he like marauds himself back, I don't even think we concede. Like um, Mickey, Mickey does well to try and get back. Even I think if I'm correct, just remembering the goal off head, um, Romero gets back into a position where it can't go flash across the box. It has yep. to be cut back. Like so, our two defenders do their actual job. So where's the midfield? Even if Basuma didn't get there, where is the midfield? Whoever was playing on the pitch at that point, where were you guys? to stop the cutback because essentially it's coming to a position where you you expect your midfielders to be, to cut out any of that danger. Yeah. Your two defenders, your two centre-backs have done their job. Mickey's held up the guy and Romero has made sure that that ball can't be flashed across the box because if it does, it's coming to him. Yeah. So the next line of play is your midfielders. Basuma is behind the guy that actually shoots and scores the goal. I'm like, did you even try to get back? And I know, yes, he's had malaria and he's just come back off international and all of that caveat stuff, but bust the gut. You know, like we would say the same about an attacker meeting the the, the play at the at the end of a, a cross. Bust a gut and get back into position because otherwise we don't concede that. And that's that's what was annoying because I genuinely believed on the balance of play, whoever scored next was going to win the game. Just, yeah. just for, the, for the... I didn't believe that if we scored, Wolves would go up the other end and definitely mm-hmm. score because of the way they were playing. And I definitely didn't believe if we conceded, we were going to get an equaliser. So, yeah, it is what it is in that in that regard. It was more of a frustrating second half because people have said, oh, the team looked tired. I was like, no, I don't think the team looked tired. It just it seemed like one of those days where everyone everything was disjointed, which is annoying. I think, I think with... Um, and Tops, I'm going to get your view on this because I feel like that goal... Um, that goal, I do think Basuma takes big, big, big blame for that because I think it was him yes. that lost it. It was him that lost the ball in the first place, which mm-hmm. I can believe because when you're playing so high, when we're when we, the way we were playing, the setup, we were playing so high that literally none of our players could make one sloppy pass. You can't make even a tiny, tiny small pass. Any any under hit pass, bang, it felt like it was a two v one or three v two with balls every single time. And I think Whilst we are going for the game, I do think 
and in my opinion, should take some responsibility for the setup against Wolves. And I'm talking mm-hmm. in Iceland. I think he should take some responsibility for the setup against Wolves because I don't think we were. I don't. One, I do think our press was not good enough in that game at all, right? Because if you look at the game against Brighton, I know we we edged it two one, but you can actually look at specific moments where our press actually caught Brighton, and we were able to we were able to to generate chances as a result of this. I don't think our press was anywhere near good enough against Wolves, but I also feel like Ange. He did not adjust things well enough in the second half to negate the threat that they had as well. So we weren't able to impose our will on them, but at the same time, we weren't able to stop them from getting our goal. And I felt like in the second half, it was the game was it was too much on a night on a knife edge. Do you get what I mean? Like it felt genuinely, it felt like any loose pass, any loose pass from our midfielder or our defender equated to a 2v1 at our goal. And I'm not. I'm not just talking a two v one where like the wolves wolves have maybe only twenty yards to run into. I'm talking a two v one where they have the entire Spurs half to run into and bear down on goal. And that's what happened for the for the second goal. Because whilst I do think we were doing we were doing well or better in the second half and and got back into the game deservedly, wolves created enough chances in the first half to have been tuning up, right? Easily, easily. Yeah, so 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 I, I and I feel like it's a combination of Basuma, but I also feel like it's a combination of Ange not really adjusting his game plan to us, not even by a lot, but even just to a little bit. Not Ange not adjusting his his game plan during the course of the game to try and get Spurs the favorable result, man. So I want to get your your view on that. <sighs> I think it's a multitude of things. Um, I actually think first first and foremost, there are players that are out of form. There are some players that are deeply out of form. And we can sit here and say about our system, we can sit here and say about our changes, but some people who have been playing at, let's say the required level is here, they are just playing at maybe 50, maybe 40% of what they're able to. And that's affecting us. One of the biggest things in my opinion, of the style of play that we play on the range is that it actually only really works when everyone is playing basically at their max level and sometimes the chinks in the armor are very easy to see when there's when they when it appears or when there looks to be players who are not playing at the right level or it is even literally personnel driven as opposed as specific people are not even available then all of a sudden we look like completely kind of different it is kind of frustrating because someone like Basuma, who we know is he's a seasoned pro at this level, he's a seasoned professional at in the Premier League as well. That's such a disappointing way for him to kind of give up that that goal. And to be honest with you, you know, I've 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 had some I've had some deep questions about him, um, not just about his position as a six, but also actually some of the ability that I think he can bring to that position and what he can do in that position. So. I'm a little bit disappointed in, in how he has performed recently, but specifically in this game, I felt like, to be honest with you, and I'm just going to be real, Lamina and Gomez crashed it on him and on him and Madison. They compl- they, they didn't give these guys a second to yep. breathe. They didn't give these guys a second yep. to think. Everything Every time these, got it, these guys got it in our first or second phase, <laughs> it was crazy. Like The more I started seeing Madison coming deeper and deeper to try and influence first phase, the more I realised how much of an effect 
and an influence that these two other guys, Elimina and Gomez, had in, in the game. And it was really quite frustrating to see that maybe we didn't have anything to kind of counter that with. Also, I felt like something that we've also really struggled with, and I really do believe this has been something that we've struggled with most of the season, if not all of it, is our ability to keep the ball, sustain the ball and pressure in the final third. And that's right. because as, as the ball is progressed from the phases, whether it's via the, via the wing play in terms of the passing lanes from centre-back to wingers or whether it's the interchange between the midfielders and the attackers, the ball does not stick. And that is really frustrating because we'll talk on it later, but that is how your defence changes. If your defence is in is in a specific position, if it's what you call rest defence, if it is relaxed when you are attacking and it constantly is having to go from rest to transition, rest to transition, there is absolutely, like, there's no calm. There is no stability and you're constantly going to be moving in between, in between phases, in between phases, and it mm-hmm. gives the... It gives the view of a game that is not calm. It gives a view that of a game that is chaotic. And I just feel yeah. that is something that I, I I can't see how he doesn't see it. I, I'm looking at Ange and thinking, you asked for specific attackers. You asked for specific How can you not see that despite all the possession that we are having, we are not having the possession in the areas that we actually need it most, that we can affect teams the most. And I really do feel like this is at a moment, this is something that he has to tweak. I constantly, I do agree with the fact that, yes, there will be sometimes, take some context, personnel, players lacking form, players returning to fitness. But you have to be able to see that there are some players that are just, are just incapable. And if they are incapable, you have to make, it is you that is paid the money, that you have the responsibility to make those changes. And I just feel in these last few games, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think we deserve to win some of these games recently. I feel that we've locked our way, we've muddled our way for these to these performances at the end. And this game is, in my opinion, the first real representation of how we have performed this season. We have had chances given against us. We have had a high level of XG created against us. And we're not we're not sustaining any pressure or retaining any possession in the final third. And Wolves were smart in the way that they set up in order to be able to maximise all of these issues that we've, we've, we've had problems with. They absolutely did. I, I have to throw a rebuttal onto especially the remarks on, you know, that we've lucked our way into the last few games. Um, because yeah, I don't, I don't agree the, last, the last month we've had, um, Bourne, is it Bournemouth? I'm going to say Brentford, Brighton, Wolves, United. Am Everton. I missing anything? Everton. Everton, yeah. No. All right, cool. So the United game, I think we were the better team. I'm not going to sit here and have anybody tell me that we wasn't. I think we were the better team, but every time we face United, we always seem to kind of go like machine for machine, which kind of works mm-hmm. in their favour. But it, the result, I guess, on paper was fair, but in, on what we did in that second half alone, yeah, mm-hmm. especially was the back end of that first half, if we came away with a victory, that I don't think a United fan could actually argue because we absolutely smashed them to bits in that second half. They they did create mm-hmm. a chance or two, but for, as far as I'm concerned, we, we penned them in. For that second half, they were lucky to even get the chances. That, that is full. Um, when we came up against um, Brentford, honest to God, outside of us creating the issues ourselves, we dominated. So I couldn't sit there and say, "Oh, we locked our way in that game." There was nothing that Brentford did that made me think, "Rah, you man deserve something from this game." Destiny literally handed them. Two stonewall opportunities. Even the second one was even worse because he he set man 
literally one-on-one with our goalkeeper. So that's another one where I'm not going to say, oh, we love that one. The Everton game, I still maintain that that's a foul. But, you know, each to their own, whatever. Outside of that, again, I didn't think Everton done anything much that made me feel like, yeah, no, they deserve something for him. But, but I'll be fair, they stuck in there and they got a draw. So, fair, fair on everyone. Yeah. And the Brighton game, I'll be honest with you, there's not a match that I've seen us face Brighton since they've come into this league where it hasn't been machine for machine. They, that just so happens to be the team that they're not afraid of us. We're not afraid of them. We go tick for tack and they go tick for tack. So I knew, all right, going into that game, we're definitely going to concede chances, but we're definitely going to create chances. And we came away with the victory at home, as you're supposed to. It's not always going to look pretty. I think the problem that we have, the problem that a lot of fans have, is that we've gone, especially under Conte, We've gone so long having to play this methodical kind of football where it's like, no, we're going to sit, we're going to counter, or we're going to take mm-hmm. our chances. We're going to have those high um, conversion of taking chances as opposed to receiving chances or chances that are uh, gone against us. This is the first time in a long while where managers that come in and said, no, this is my philosophy. This is how we're going to play. And this is how I want the team to set up. This is not the season for him to be making tweaks. This is not it. This is the first season in which he is at this club. He has to implement this system, stick to it, and be stubborn enough to say, this is my system. This is what I want the players to learn. This is how I want them to play. In the mm-hmm. summer, when we go into preseason, all the all the things that have gone wrong this season, that's when he's got to address it. Like, all right, yeah, cool. Look, you guys, you know the system in and out. You've played an entire season of this system in and out. You know it like the back of your hand. Now, these are the problems we're going to come up against because we came up against them last season. You make those tweaks in preseason, you refine them during preseason, and in the second season, when we come up against these issues, you see the tweaks being implemented to make those changes. The reason why I don't want him making those tweaks now is because, as far as I'm concerned, if he starts making these tweaks now towards the back end of the season, I'm going to take it as you don't even believe in your own philosophy. That's a and, fair point. If, and if that then translates to the players, uh, then we don't have an idea. We don't have. There's no point of him having to chop and change just to satisfy the fans and make them say, "Oh yeah, we got." No, if it's gonna be chaotic, it's chaotic. It's chaotic because the players are making it chaotic. They know the system. They just need to implement it correctly. It's that simple. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come in on this point, right? Because I fully agree with what you're saying, and I think every Spurs fan should accept that Spurs games will be. Like a rough and tumble team for them, even when we're even when we're on top and we're blitzing teams, that's just the nature of how we're going to play this season. But I do think there needs to be some balance and, and weight given to what you mentioned, tops as well. Because whilst I don't agree that we have ridden our luck throughout this run recently, there definitely have been games where we've been fortunate. So Everton at home is a is a prime example. That game we went two nil up. I think we went yeah we went two nil up. Was it two or three nil up we went? I can't even remember. I think it was, was it, were we three nil up? So we scored the first goal courtesy of Richarlison, I think. Richarlison scored the first goal. I yeah. think Sun scored the second goal. So we went two nil up and I think we scored one in the second half or, um, I can't even remember. I can't remember that game. But, well, I can't remember the goal scorers. But that game, Everton dominated most of the match. They created more chances. They should have won the game of football. We were genuinely... Fortunate to win that game in football. We did not deserve even a point. We should have lost that game. The game at Goodison Park, um, we I don't think I don't think Everton deserved to lose that game, but 
I don't. I also don't think we deserve to. Yeah, I don't think Everton deserve to lose that game. But I also don't think they did that much to win that game as well, right? It was more of a set piece thing. But I get your point, which is that there are these games where we're a bit fortuitous, right? You look at Brighton at home. Brighton at home. I think we created more chances than they did on the balance of play, right? But in the second half, they missed that big chance with Ansu Fati that could put them. 2-1 two, two up, and then we score right at the death. We, we, we win it 2-1. So I think there definitely needs to be some balance. And I think the point that Yao was making around um, a manager not scrapping his philosophy, I wholeheartedly agree. You can't... Yeah, I, I, but I agree with that too. I agree with that, but I think here's where I think I'm siding with you in terms of tweaks that he can make. So Ange wants Spurs to press high, and wants Spurs to dominate possession. And wants Spurs to, to play an aggressive defensive line. He can do all these things without playing someone like Emerson and Davies as inverted fullbacks. So, like, we could have played the way And wants us to play, right? If one game, maybe we don't invert the fullbacks, right? Exactly. The, defensive line, the defensive line is still high. The front line is still pressing aggressively. The midfield are still combative. Yes, you may lose some sort of midfield superiority with the lack of inversion with the fullbacks. However, you have players now playing in a role that suits them better than the inverted because I'm watching that as a fan and I'm seeing Emerson get murdered in this inverted role. Murdered. And, and to do nothing over 90 minutes, for me, there's philosophy and then there's just being silly. It's like when we had Chelsea, nine men, and you're still playing a high line. You can see that this is not working. You can see we're getting absolutely hammered here. Change it. So I think there's a give and take. Don't lose your philosophy. Don't lose sight of what you're preaching to the to the to the squad. Definitely play in the same way, but in the in the moments where you have the capacity to make in-game changes that can suit a player's strengths better, then do it. Because Ange don't play three at the back, yet we've seen him two or three times bring on Dragusin to play to play a three at the back. Mm-hmm. We've seen him put Kulisewski in midfield. We've seen him put Werner up top. We've seen him put Son up top. We've seen this guy make a multitude of changes. So I see no reason why he couldn't have made a change in the second half to at least enable Spurs to stretch Wolves' back line and to, 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 to stop a player from doing something that he was struggling to do. So, I mean, that's... I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. That, that second half was such a difficult watch, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know what you think, man, but that second half, to me, was such a difficult watch. It looked to me like a team that didn't have any ideas. It, it didn't seem like a team that had ideas. Outside of the goal, the first five, ten minutes of that second half, I just didn't feel that we were in control of our of our of our build up. We were in control of our attack. It looked like we were just kind of going through the motions trying to find an opportunity and it really did play into Wolves' hands. It really did. It really did. Wolves didn't look worried in my opinion in their defense. They didn't look they didn't look like we were really going to stretch them. Everything that we did was so central focused. Hardly any players went out on the outside. You know, it, so it really was a quite frustrating sort of match to watch. To so, let, 
so let's break let's break this down then. Let's break this down because I think this season we faced I would say a fair amount of deep blocks, right? Mm-hmm. Over, we've overcome some deep blocks to devastating effects, a la Brentford, a la Sheffield United, but we've also come yeah. against blocks where we've struggled. So like Liverpool with nine men, believe it or not, that mm-hmm. deep block mm-hmm. struggled. Was definitely where we were probably fortunate to get the three points um, towards the end because of that goal. Um, and then now, most recently, um, uh, Wolves, Wolves at home. Yeah. For me, what is really concerning, and I think this is where we need Spurs to help Ange in the summer with better recruitment, and we also need Ange to help himself with with better <laughs> trust and selection and recruitment. What really is concerning for me, and has been a concern all season, is the is the composition of our attack. It really is not good. You have That's too cool. many players that can only play one way. There are too many players in this team that are at their best where they're running onto stuff. We don't have many players, if any, in this team that want to get the ball to feet, want to drive at their opponent and can actually keep the ball whilst doing those three things, right? Against Wolves, how many times did we see Sun run at um, at, at, at Wolves or Kulisewski actually try and go on the outside, try and go on the outside, try and beat your man. When when Ange made the, the changes as well, Brennan Johnson and Werner, I was thinking, okay, yeah, they're the, logically they're the right changes to make. But then I, a part of me also asked, but hang on a second, what are we actually expecting these two to do against a set defence? Because yeah. set defence yeah. is a kryptonite for Werner and Johnson, which brings me back to the attacking profiles. They're not good enough. Sorry, they're not good enough. They are not and, and this is this is something that I've I've really tried to press on and and like Tobes man you can go back through the messages go back through the groups I've said this since like November bro I said this we will come up against teams that will play in a certain way and one of the biggest things that I've always when I when I look at teams that control when I look at teams that control the ball do you know what they have they they never lack Tobes they never lack High IQ, clinical, effective attackers. Pep said it himself. Half the battle is getting the ball into the final third. In the final third, it's up to the quality of your attackers to make it happen themselves. He can't coach the attackers if they are of of the required quality to be effective and decisive in the final third. And I'm sorry, man. Outside, Outside of Sun, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We do not have them. We do not have any. I'm, I'm including I'm, in, I'm including Decky in this. We do not have decisive and effective wingers. One of the biggest things that I thought was really positive about Decky in the early part of the season was that he was actually helping us sustain pressure in the final third. He was retaining the ball well, he was recycling the ball well, and he was creating, getting the ball into the final third and into the box at a high rate. Brother, where has this man gone? I agree. Where has this man gone? It's now I'm looking at wingers. Now I'm looking at true real-time wingers, wingers that like the ball to feet, that will take on their man, that will create an opportunity for themselves. We do not have any. We, do, we don't have any. There's no, no one can tell me, nobody can tell me otherwise in this attack. We do not have any true one-on-one attackers who will like the ball to feet and will confidently and comfortably, comfortably beat their man one-on-one. We have attackers who want to run into spaces, 
who need to be fed in, in, into areas where they can affect the ball with one or two time crosses. Look at against Wolves. They played three. It was almost like a three-four-three. Totti, Kilmer, which turned into Dawson. a, which turned into a. It was a three-four-three, but I think it then in the their defensive shape it was like a five-four-one. Five, exactly. And if you look at the last, go and watch the. I've just finished watching it. What's the last twenty minutes of, of the game? We, had, we, had we didn't go out. We didn't go outside. Maybe more than four times in the last twenty minutes with Werner, with Johnson on the pitch. Why is like? Why is that? And it's just like you ask for these guys, and you're the one who knows that your attack gets it going. Your attack will always get it going if they're given the opportunity. One or two touch, one or two touch finishes, one or two touch creations, one or two touch passes. But you brought me Werner. You brought me Johnson. When have you ever seen these men do this at a consistent rate? When have you ever seen them do this? That's and this awesome. is what is getting me is, is that like now, I'm going to have to sit here and accept that we have a 48 million pound dud. That's in our squad. That's not going anywhere. We have a 60 man. We have a 60 million pound player who is not going to go anywhere unless something crazy is offered for him. We now have a very, very good aging 31 year old who isn't going anywhere. You're now asking me to support you with an attacker who doesn't like shooting or even looking like he wants to shoot and his output is low. You have a guy that hasn't played all season that's supposed to be good off the bench that's not playing and you have Brian Hill. Tell me how that is going to make any sense for any team that wants to do anything when with the rate at which we get the ball into the final third. I, I need to know. I need, no, I need people I to tell me. I need people to tell me. I actually think you're spot on, but what I will say is this. And to be fair, like I'm not norm I'm normally on your side in all of this regard. But Werner, he's definitely not, but I still think we're gonna sign him because that 15 million pounds gets me. Listen, if if we if we sign this brother, if we sign this brother, I've already I have already told you, man, I'm gonna be on a season of hate watching every single week. Every single week, I am going to be on a season of hate watching. Hate watching. <laughs> That's the problem. Hate watching. <laughs> but, but my thing is with Johnson, I'm going to say this much. Unfortunately, we have to give him time uh, because, he, as you said, he's 48 million pounds worth of, uh, you know, dud, but he's there. And I didn't think he would come into the season and be a starter. Injuries has caused that. But Kudu is not a winger. Like, I mean, this season should have proved it to everyone. Like, yeah, we bought him and he played on the wing on, in Conte's system, but he's not a winger. He is an eight or a 10, if you want to consider it that. So really and truly, we should be going into the market for, you know, an, an actual winger. You know, like an actual... like Not, a, not eight actual winger. We need two. Yes. Yeah, just call it... Just call it what it is. We we need five. We need two. We need two. We need two wingers, bro. Call it what it is. Don't, don't stop trying to pretend. Call it what it is. Do you know? Do you know why I know we're not going to get Dos? Because this time, no, no, this not this time last season, but coming into the summer of, of this season, yeah, the summer starting this season, I said at the top, at the very top of the summer, I said we needed two centre backs. Yeah, we got one. Uno. Yeah. Man, I went on two holidays. I went on DOS holidays with Uno. <laughs> yeah, centre back. I came back from holiday and I had to wait till January to get our second centre back. I'm happy that Dragon is here, in it, yeah, and we can implement him in piece by piece. 
But mm-hmm. you're right. We do need two wingers. But that means that means we can't get Werner. Yeah, which I feel like the, the club is going to do. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't want Werner, but I feel like the club is going to do it. Yeah, and we need to definitely sell Brian Hill. Yeah, he's gone. He's not good. He's not staying. Like Johnson's not being sold. Son is definitely not being sold. And Richarlison is going nowhere. So that means we need to sell two of those players, or well, not sign one and sell the other, and then sell another midfielder that allows us to just go into because technically, technically, we may not actually need another midfielder. I know people are like, what do you mean? Like, well, mm, no, we do. No, we do and we don't, in the sense of we've gone half of this season, the majority of this season, yeah, with um, Benton Court injured. And I know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's come back and he's like fully fit and he's training and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But I'm going on what we should be going into next season. Next season, don't use Kulu as a winger. Drop him into the midfield and you've got Madison, Saar, Basuma. Um, who else? Who am I missing? Kulu as your, as your fourth. And then mm-hmm. Ben was your fifth. So that's five players. I'm not counting out of a skip. I hope the kid goes and finds a, a championship loan somewhere. But those five should be enough in terms of rotation and building the midfield and all of that kind of stuff. Now, if you drop Kulu into the midfield, knock yourself out and go get two wingers. So so I've got I've got a point here. And I think this this I'm glad we're talking about this because I feel like this impacts the attack and the defense, right? And for the record. Because we're going to talk on top four, right? I still believe that Spurs are going to get top four this season. I still think we have a team good enough. However, these are definitely issues that we need fixing. Now, Yao made a point on the fact that we've not really had a fully fit and available midfield all season. But me personally, we've got as good as that now, right? And I'm still not satisfied. And I've been saying it all season long. We need a number six, like... Um, there's nothing in my mind that's telling me we don't need a number six because the best teams in Europe, in my opinion, they have several profiles which allow them to go at games differently. I Mm -hmm. think because of the players we have, a lot of them actually suit this style of play. Some don't really suit the style of play, but you can see gaps in the team. The same way we can see a gap in the attack. Spurs are lacking that destructive, ball-retaining, 1v1 demon who can actually run up the numbers as well, outside of Sun. Because Richarlison has scored goals, Sun has scored goals, but we don't have someone doing all three of those roles to a good enough effect in our team week in, week out. We don't have that. The same way we do not have a number six who can literally, is like a magnet for danger. Pesuma is a quality player for me, right? Quality player, and he's when, he, when, when he's on it, he's, he's, he's a strong number six. But he's a different type of number six. He's a number six who wants to roam a little bit. And he's not a true number six. He's he's an eight. Let's be real. Basuma is an eight who's a hybrid six. He's playing as the six. He's, and he's an eight playing as a six. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have too many of these, we have too many of these players, right? We need someone who wants to sit, sweep, and distribute. It's a lot of space you have to cover in that six. You need to be switched on. You really do. I don't want my number six to, to get pickpocketed all the time in the midfield. I don't want my number six to see the danger converging into our box and you're, you're literally standing there. No, man. 
Bliss is quite, I'll, I'll maintain, Basuma is a quality midfielder, but that does not change the fact that we need someone who's an out and out six in that role to actually compete with Basuma. Our squad gets stronger, not by selling a squad player and bringing another squad player. Our squad gets stronger by getting the guys who are starters now to become rotation pieces, compete with other players. That's how our squad gets stronger. And it's the same point in the attack with Kulisevsky as well. Kulisevsky, I think I've now come to terms with it now. This guy is not the long-term solution out wide. He can't be because he, he's lacking to, He's lacking a lot. Because he can, like you said, Tops, he can retain the ball, good, in good, good IQ, good technical base, and he can pick out a pass as and when. But the problem with Kulisevsky is he dwells on the ball too much. He hasn't got that explosive pace. And for whatever reason, he doesn't want to take on these men either on the inside or the outside. And he's not creating enough separation to get shots off. So for me, we need to try and use Kulisevsky the same way, the same way um, Man City used Bernardo or, or Liverpool used Harvey Elliott. You have these guys dovetail between multiple positions. Let him play in the left eight some games. Let him play in the right eight some games. If we want to use him right wing in some games, use him there. But he can't be the right. starter there, right? He, he can't be. He can't be. He, 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 can't be. he can't be. Like, at, at this point, I have more confidence in his ability and his availability than Le Chelsea. So at this point, get rid of that bozo. And you have someone who can actually play in the position in the in the way that you want them to. You know that they're good on the ball. You know that they're good at receiving it on the half turn. You also know that they're good at creating for others as well. Why not just why not just put him in that in that role? My only issue with that is that that only leaves one person uh, on that right wing, and frankly, that's not that's not what I need right now. <laughs> that is not what I need right now. Yeah. That means we effectively will have to go. We have to go for two wingers, and I don't know. I don't know what kind of level of winger we're going to go for. Whether it's one superstar or one young, or two with high potential, or two big ones. But it's as clear as day. We need two attackers in the summer. It is clear as day. There shouldn't be any kind of like question about this. It's so clear that now we need two wingers because the way that we play. I wouldn't say teams are cottoning on because I feel like we create enough to be able to make games in our favour, like more more, regu more regularly now. However, I still feel that, like you said, there are specific profiles we are missing in our attack and obviously in our midfield. But and in, in my the opinion... And in the defence. In my opinion, eh, that is the problem that I think we're having the, the biggest problem with now. I feel like we just we just don't have our, our wingers are not clinical enough. They are, not only are they not clinical enough, but they're not decisive enough. And and the thing about the thing about that gets me is that like when you look at teams that play in this way, what is the one redeeming feature that these teams have? They have high IQ, high output scoring attackers. You look at the early the early Liverpool before they before they developed into the side that went on to the Champions League final and lost. Went to the Champions final and won. All of them, 15 plus goals. You look at the City team in, in the early sort of projection under Pep. Sane was scoring. Sterling was scoring. You need to have attackers that are going to be able to provide and create for you at a decent rate. And I'm looking at the numbers. Richarlison on what? 11. Son on 14 or, or whatever. 11, I don't know, 11 or something. 
Werner, none. Kulu, two. Johnson, three. Like, this is not good enough. Like, it, it just isn't good enough. We just have to consider what it is. You, you so, know, one, one thing I wanted to actually add in terms of, like, our midfield, yeah, especially this season. So I, I went and done, you know, small small Google, small research, innit? Mm-hmm. And Basuma, Brad Fire, has missed just an egregious amount of games, yeah? Now, three of those games he missed was due to international duty. Yeah, So that was Man United, Brentford and Everton. It was mm-hmm. back for the Brighton game. Mm-hmm. However, the three previous, two before those games, he missed Bournemouth, Brighton and Everton due to suspension. He played in the Everton game, obviously got the record and, and was suspended. Or was it? No, sorry. He played in the Nottingham Forest game uh, while we were 2 know up. Got, yeah. um, got a record and so sub- subsequently missed the following three games because it was a straight red. He was, was suspended. Sorry? It was four games. Suspended. It was four games. Sorry. Even worse. Yeah. So four games. Um, he then obviously missed the Aston Villa game, uh, yellow card suspension. And uh, the Fulham game he missed um, because of uh, the Luton red card or second, second yellow that he got. In total, mm-hmm. he has missed a total of what six games six no sorry five games due to suspension three games due to international duty so eight out of the 25 games played this guy has missed yeah that is utter ridiculousness because the drop off as we've been complaining about for the last few seasons is Hoybjerg <laughs> yeah Hoybjerg B.O. boy, yeah, because he smells like garbage. Is the drop off from Basuma? That's insane, and that's yeah. that's that's a lot of ill discipline on his part, you know. Because really and truly, eight games is a third of the season. Hundred. Mm-hmm. This is why. Hundred, and this is why we were. This is why I think me, me, me and Tops are aligned on this. So this is why I think we absolutely need. A number six, we, we absolutely need a number six. Someone to actually push push Pursuma, the push Pursuma to raise to 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 rate one, keep Pursuma on his toes for his place in the team, and two to have someone who offers a different characteristic to a Pursuma in possession, and three to have someone who is going to give us a bit more availability than Pursuma. Because mm-hmm. let's I'm not even trying to call Donny unreliable. But there have been games this season where he's cost Spurs, and we felt that we really have felt that. And this season, I think we, we've 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 got by, right? Obviously, we need him to pick up the form in the weeks to come. But we've got by. We're in the race for top four. I still think we got enough for top four. But next season, when we're playing European football, and it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, or Wednesday, depending Champions League. Obviously, I'm hoping Champions League. Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday. And we need to play a strong team week in, week out. We can't afford to to have Basuma missing, like, what was that? Eight out of 24 games, bro. That's one third of our season, gone. And it's the same for even James Madison, to be honest. I love Madison. But this is why the whole talk of Kulisevsky coming into that role makes sense. Because we're going to need, we're going to need these players available, bro. We're gonna need them. We're gonna we're going to need them. And even as well, like when we talk about him as him as a six, I don't even I don't even mean to like go at him, but I just feel that as a six, he's also kind of limited. And I feel that 
if we have a position where there are some teams where you're going to need a six that's there more for their ball attention, and there are some games you're going to you're you're going to need a six where they are more important for their ball distribution or yeah. maybe their defensive skills. Then it's easy. You have players that you can switch up with. You can change it. Arsenal do it with Rice and uh, Jorginho sometimes as well. You know, Chelsea can do it with uh, Enzo and um, Ogutchukwu and uh, Caicedo. Sometimes you need to have the ability to change it. Liverpool do it with Caicedo and McAllister. There are some games that are going to be suited to specific midfielders. And honestly, with his rate of availability or actually unavailability, you might have to really think about how you're going to be playing that that single pivot six at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's there's def- I think the good thing about Spurs is because I'm looking at this because I still think yeah like I'm not looking at Spurs with any sort of like negativity. Yeah, we've had a couple of like bumps on the road in recent months, right? But broadly, this has been a largely successful season for Tottenham. Obviously, people are going to joke about, oh, where's the trophies? But no, we're talking relative to the expectation of Tottenham, the type of football we play, new management, younger, raising, reducing the age of our team, etc., etc. This has been a, a significantly positive season for Spurs. But there are roles that we absolutely need to address in the summer to help our defence, to help our midfield, to help our attack, and most importantly, to help Ange. So we can stop seeing guys like Hoybier play six. So we can stop seeing guys like Werner come off the bench and play left wing. So we can stop seeing guys like Emerson and Ben Davies invert into the midfield, right? If the man wants to play a certain way, yes, there's a give and take with stuff that he can do in a game of football, which will come. But most importantly, we also need to bring as many players who can do what he wants to the best possible standard. And we need to get specialists in this team. Get some damn specialists in this fucking team. I'm so sick of, oh my God, I have to plug this player in one, two, three, four, five positions. No, get some specialists. Get us some specialist wingers. Get us a specialist number six. And get us some specialist fullbacks as well. Because we're going to need that. Cover for Destiny and, and Poro. We're going to need that next season. So, yeah, man. That's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with it. Let's, um, guys, let's 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 talk on the top four race because obviously Man United has now made this spicy because it, it looked like it was us and Aston Villa in the mix for fourth and fifth spot. Um, now it's looking like it's us, Aston Villa, Man United that's going to battle out for either fourth, fifth, or sixth spots. So. Where, where where's everyone's head at with, with the top four race? I'm gonna start. You know what? I think I know where Tops is head at, but I'm gonna start with you, yeah. Where's your head at with the top four race? I, I think it's I, I know some people might think I'm talking crazy here, but I think it's between us and Aston Villa. Same. I think it's Same. between us. I, I wouldn't say it's in our hands. Aston Villa seem to be uh chugging it on pretty well, but I've maintained my stance on United for the entire season. I think United have been absolutely garbage and have been tried to They've done their best to kind of like stick in there and, you know, grind out results. But we've, as Spurs fans, we've been here. We've been where United fans are right here, right now. We've been there where it's looked ugly all season. And we're like, it could turn. It could, it could turn. You know, Kane might turn and do something. Well, brother, last season was the season where we finally realised that turning is down a one-way street and it's a T-road and it's a T-road of hell. They've just recently had more injuries. And I'm here to let every United fan know you have nine defeats with a total of 13 games left to go. 
listen to me and listen to me good. There's another five defeats coming your way. Special delivery without the Diddy. Scratch that. Yeah. All I'm letting you guys know right here, right now, with the injury list that they got, with the fact that they've been playing absolute utter garbage football all season round, they're not in this top four race. It is literally between us and Aston Villa. Because of the nonsense that United and, and flipping Newcastle did in the Champions League, now fifth spot is no longer even a guarantee for Champions League. So we have to do our utmost best to get top four. I don't know if we're going to do it, if I'm being honest with you. I know Aston Villa have their injuries, but they seem to be grinding out results. So, you know, these next few games that we have, that we've got the last five games of the season, there's, there's, a, there's a hat-trick in there of absolute utter hell, yeah, that we have to go through in those last five weeks. But in the lead-up to that, we could potentially build some points, yeah? Now, I know a lot of fans, Spurs fans especially, think it's all doom and gloom on 47 points. We're fifth. We've dropped points, blah, blah, blah. But truth be told is, we've only lost two games in the last, what, eight, ten games or something like that? Like, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't lost as many games as people think we have in the last you know, whatever batch of games as it's been, we've drawn a few as well. Yeah, that's why it probably looks a bit smelly. However, those mm-hmm. next few games that we've got, they're all winnable. Literally, the next five, yeah, you could look at it and be like, I can see Spurs winning that. Like, literally, you could look at it, yeah, I can see Spurs winning that. So if we yes. can do something in those next five, we can almost set ourselves up for, for the running that we all know. That running is, honestly, I think we've been done over because that running is disgusting. Yeah, and we've still got the Chelsea game to fit in there as well because it's been postponed. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do, we do, right? But I think one thing to bear in mind is the teams that, all these teams, we all have difficult injuries. So, I mean, difficult fixtures. So let me read Aston Villa's injury. I mean, why do I keep saying injury? Let me read Aston Villa's run of games, right? And tops, I, I want to get your view on top top four after I read Aston yeah. Villa's injury. Mm-hmm. So Aston Villa, obviously... Uh, Aston Villa, they have, um, they obviously got drawn to Ajax in the Champions League. No, why am I saying Champions League? Europa Conference League. So they got drawn um, with Ajax. So they play Ajax on the 7th of March, right? Before Ajax, they are up against Nottingham Forest at home um, this weekend. And then they've got Luton away um, on the 2nd of March the same weekend in which we play Crystal Palace. So they play Luton away, then they play Ajax away, then they play Spurs, us, on the 10th of March, then they play West Ham away, then they play Wolves at home, then they play Man City away, then they play Brentford at home, then they play Arsenal away, then Bournemouth at home, then Chelsea at home, then Brighton away. Um, And then they play last two games of the season, Liverpool at home and Crystal Palace away. Now, if I read United, whew, United is 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 techie, very techie. They got Man City. Uh, one sec, sorry. So they got Fulham this weekend, right on the twenty fourth of February. Then they got FA Cup against Nottingham Forest the following week on the twenty eighth. Then they play Man City at home, Everton. No, Man City away. Sorry, Everton at home. Sheffield United at home, Brentford away, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Bournemouth away, 
Newcastle at home, Burnley at home, Crystal Palace away. And then the last two games of the season, Arsenal at home and Brighton away. I'm not going to read the Spurs one because I feel like we all know the Spurs one. Actually, you know what? Let me read the Spurs one because um, people are listening. So Spurs, obviously, we play Crystal Palace at home. Then we play Aston Villa away. At some point, the Chelsea away game is going to get rescheduled. Hopefully, that's not in that period of hell. <laughs> but we <laughs> we play Fulham away, Luton at home, West Ham away, Forest at home, Newcastle away, Man City at home, Arsenal at home, Liverpool away. And then our last two games of the season, Burnley at home and Sheffield United away. So, before you come in, Tops, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to reiterate I believe Spurs are going to finish fourth this season. I genuinely believe that. I think we're going to finish fourth this season. However, we really need one too many of our players to get themselves back into a reasonable bit of form because too many players are out of form at this point in time for my liking. So, Tops, I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to get your thoughts on how the top four race is going to go and where you see Spurs finishing. The top four race is going to be tight. One of the reasons I think it's going to be tight is because I feel like us and Villa are very similar in many ways. The one big benefit that we have over Villa is that we don't actually have a ta- uh, we don't have a European football to kind of uh, focus on. When I think about Man United, I feel like they are kind of returning to form. And one of the things that they seem to do is that even though they have been poor this season, in the last few weeks, they seem to have got some level of form. They've got Hoyland sort of playing. However, Hoyland has now been ruled out as injured for the next sort of three, four weeks. So I think that will be a big blow for um, Man United. Mm-hmm. And I feel that they will probably revert to where we thought they would. I think a big, big, a big, big factor in this is Villa's away form. Villa are such a sporadic team. Um, you really sometimes don't know what kind of performance they're going to give to you. And even though last week they did win away at Fulham, um, a lot of their form and a lot of their points have been garnered at home. Um, and it's not been uh, plain sailing for them. They've managed to get themselves a decent sort of amount of points because of the what they've gathered at home. And I feel where we have kind of fallen off a little bit is, in my opinion, some of these big games, we've actually performed well. We've got okay number of points. You know, we've only lost to Chelsea at home um, in, an, in a bit of a crazy match. But where I think we've been disappointing is in these games at home against, in my opinion, what is inferior opposition. I do believe that it is important for the players that we have to return to the form that they can produce. And I think that will be huge because as we now have no real internationals to kind of worry about, um, and players obviously without having to play Europe, it does give us a bit more of a clear run in terms of um, availability, in terms of regularity and consistency in the team. It will go down to the wire, and I, I actually think the top four might actually be done by the time we get to the end of that uh, that horrible run of games that we have, in my opinion. Um, really? I really Who's do. I really do. Yeah. I feel that we'll pull away. I feel that we have the ability to pull away if Villa stay in the European competition as long as they want to, in my opinion. And I, th- and I, and I think they will. They don't have European heritage. I, I don't, don't think they have European heritage, but I feel that like just 
like West Ham did last year, it's an opportunity for them to be able to throw everything in and be able to maybe get some silverware in, a, in an opportunity where they may, where, which may not have arisen for them in the past. I mean, they do have um, Emery. Uh, that that guy's got pure pedigree in Europe. So mm-hmm. they've got good. injuries as well. They've got injuries as well. They're in the conference league, right? Yeah, they're in the conference league. Yeah, yeah. so so it's not like they if they were in the Europa League, maybe. But conference league, come on! I, I actually expect that. I put them as one of the teams that should be competing for at least the quarters and semis. I agree. I fully agree. I think they'll beat. Max. I think so. I, I think yeah, they'll beat. I think they will as well. Yeah, I think they will. Absolutely. I mean, looking at the fixtures, they've got Ajax. This ain't Ajax of old. So I no, it's not. It's not. It's not. I actually expect them to punch up Ajax, but their their running is not. It's not as great as people think it is. You know, they've got quite a few home games, but you know, they've got no. they've yeah. got um, Ajax, and then they've got uh, yeah, they got Ajax, they got Wolves, Brentford, Brentford at home, Wolves at home, uh, Bournemouth at home, Brighton away, Crystal Palace away. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. there's a few, there's a few tricky ones there. This is it. This is it. I get, I get some, I get Spurs, some Spurs fans feeling a bit nervous about our fixtures because I do think we got, uh, we got tough fixtures. But I feel like everyone that's competing for the same thing as us also have tough fixtures. And like you said, tops the top, the top, the tougher fixtures are where we've actually done quite well in this season. Um, so yes. yeah, it will be interesting to see if we can shake off the Chelsea Stamford Bridge curse. Um, and let's see if. They can actually beat us when it's eleven v eleven and not not eleven versus nine. But um, yeah, man, them. I think we're we're, we're going to end it here, man. Um, thanks for for coming in, just in with myself and um, talking about Spurs, man. Because I want people to understand. Also, before we sign up, this is not the Tottenham of last season. Because I know sometimes when we get quite critical and stuff it sounds like oh no they're speaking like they were speaking last season no we are not yeah thankfully we are not watching any more of the shambles that was last season so let's see what this season let's see what else this season has in store for us um if you're still watching make sure you smash the like button as well if you're listening make sure to give us a five-star review again on spotify or apple Podcasts. and make sure to follow us on all socials new spurs order one word on instagram on Twitter and on TikTok as well. Sports Social Podcast Network.